Hello and welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Stuart. And I'm Simon. We're both property people running our own businesses. And this podcast is just us chatting, as we often do, about anything and everything property. And before we start the show, I'm just going to say, if you are enjoying the show, please do leave a rating. And more so, if you're, if you're feeling really, really positive, leave us a review. It really helps us to get the message out there. We generally appreciate uh, reviews and the feedback. Uh, any of you have got some constructive feedback. So that, w- that was my quick intro, um, Simon. And we were just talking about our updates because I know in our last episode, we talked about a lot about my refurb and we've, we've got some more updates. So I thought we'd put a bit of the spotlight on you today. So um, we know that the last time we spoke, you were considering the, the properties you were looking at either selling and then you, you're sort of cogitating about whether or not you would sell or refinance. So if you could just give us a, an update on that. Well, I'm not sure the episodes were long enough, really. Um, <laughs> I've, I've got so much to, to fit in. I'll, I'll try and cover it really quickly, though. Uh, in terms of selling or not selling, I've exchanged some emails with my brother, who's the, the co-owner. We've reached no conclusion. In terms of <laughs> fixing the title deed and the, the plan associated, associated with that, we have sent an email to the conveyancer, the solicitor that we normally use, and they have replied saying, thank you, we'll look into it. That's it. <laughs> End of episode. <laughs> well, I hope you've enjoyed the show, everyone. It's been really good to be here. As I <laughs> well, that is, the, that is the end of the update, but it's definitely not the end of the show. <laughs> No, thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, um, to show how uh, how slow uh, my progress has been, Stuart, you have been a lot, lot busier, haven't you? And um, I think what one of the first things we can we can cover because it's it's relatively quick, although probably not as quick as as my updates, is your title split. You you were talking about some of the processes involved in that, which I wasn't aware of. So, do you want to just try and uh, try and give us a, a quick update on that to start with? Yeah, so I'm happy to share the details. So for the property that we're title splitting, mentioned it before, it's a 13 bed. It's actually two properties on a corner of a street. One's a seven bed, one's a six bed. I believe it was a former commercial premises, but essentially I bought it as a 13 bed property. And as you can imagine, when you're looking at 13 bed properties, you're limited in the marketplace. For this project, I went with Redwood Bank, and that's the the incumbent bank. However, one thing I did want to do was when I bought the property was always split the title just to increase my options. And God forbid, if things get tough, you know, sell one of the properties and, and still keep one. So essentially have progressed title splitting. We did talk about this before because I remember speaking to um, to you about the, the, the conveyancer and, and actually we could have just drawn a line across the, the title plan. But obviously wanted to get that done properly because there's right of way issue and stuff like that. Yeah. But, but um, the first thing I had to do was get the bank's approval. So I had to speak with Redwood bank and they need to approve that we can do that. Cause clearly there'll be a, a, a fundamental change to what they're loaning against. I say fundamental change, but in terms of legalities of it, clearly the, the properties don't change. And unfortunately Redwood in this aspect were, were, you know, very quick and responded and, and I've got it in writing very quickly. And 
how they modeled it was was pretty much how I'd forecast it, which was they took the the mortgage value, which was slightly over five hundred thousand, divided it by the thirteen beds, and then to attribute values they times times that by six for the six bed, and then times that for, by seven for the seven bed. So then we'd split it into to the two mortgages as opposed to the one. So that was, I think, relatively simple when we're working with banks. Hmm. So have you now actually got two mortgages with them, one for each property, or is it still a single mortgage, but elements of it are attributed to each property? Or how do the technicalities work for that? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sh- I'm pretty sure, and it's been a, a few months since I've looked at the, the paperwork because we've only well, only recently shared and, and, and had the title split actually finish. And that was because of um, Redwood's tardiness, actually. But the uh, their mortgages was just a single, but they were just attributing those values to each of the properties. So that's how they did it. However, I am remortgaging them to another bank at Reliance. And that will be two, two separate mortgages. So we're just um, we're just finishing the conveyancing process on that. So it was a long it, it was it was a lot longer than it needed to be, and unfortunately, the incumbent bank Redwood on this occasion in in other areas they've been absolutely fine and flexible. So you know I'm not um, you know being derogatory, but but on this occasion they were just very slow. You know they had coronavirus to deal with and everything else, but it, it, you know we had to wait quite a few months just to get you know some very simple emails sent out that, that meant we could progress. But it's it's done now. Unfortunately, in the property world, it is often quite a slow process, isn't it? Yeah, once you get um, conveyancing involved, and and then a bank solicitors, all of all of whom I'm paying, just uh, <laughs> for the record, but it, it tends to slow down a bit. Yes, indeed. So, uh, where where do you want to go next with all of the many things that are are going on in your your property world at the moment? <laughs> yeah, well, I think. I think we can talk about the the rent to rent project that I'm about to, to embark on. So, I've done a few um, rent to rent campaigns previously, and I've I've looked at a few properties. And so by, by campaign, sorry, you you mean um, uh, outbound marketing to to try and find suitable properties? Exactly that. Yeah. So we send landlord letters to existing landlords, particularly in the area I operate in, because it's getting tougher and tougher. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm one of these people that, whenever it's come to rent, to rent, I've always kind of sighed and just thought it's not really an area I want to get involved in because I think you you essentially have to become a letting agent and manage things, and that was kind of something I never wanted to do. But you know, on on the latest project that I'm working on, I realised that that's not necessarily true. Depending on the the margins involved, you can still get support. So I've and and I guess. You know, you know as well as I do that a lot of property development, and I, and I, I know in the forums and on the training sessions, everyone talks about your your contacts and your network. But the truth is, the network is incredibly important and and does take a long time to build. And the reason I say that is because I now have a really good network in the area in which I operate, which means I've got letting agents. I also have an independent letting agent now working. So I now have a number of different avenues I can go down. And this opportunity came to me via word of mouth, actually. So someone I'd, I'd spoken with before. We started this with you mentioning uh, outbound campaigns, but this rent-to-rent opportunity didn't actually come from any of your, your outbound campaigns. 
Well, it did indirectly because the, the, the word of mouth was someone that had previously received one of my letters and had contacted me, but it wasn't him that wants it. He, he, he knows another property owner who passed on my details. Right. So your outbound campaign had, had found somebody and they had then passed it on to someone else yeah. who then had the, the opportunity for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and like I said, I've looked at a few of these before and I think, you know, the margins are tight and clearly the, the thing about rent to rent, and we have mentioned this before, rent to rent. So essentially you are rent, you are subletting a property. The thing about rent to rent is obviously the margins can be very tight and, you know, you, you'll live or die based on the fact of whether you fill the rooms and it'll be the same for me. So we're not at that stage yet. So I can't talk about that at the moment. But, you know, this this particular homeowner has an empty property, had an empty property for six months, which is which is good for no one. Mm-hmm. I think they've tried to sell it. The truth is it's not in a great condition. And I've looked at a few of these. And when I say it's not in a great condition, the property itself is fine, but it just needs it just needs work doing. And, and I think uh, I've experienced this a few times previously, you, you know, and I, and I nearly got there myself. So on, the, on our last episode, we talked about the property that I had, where, which gradually declined. It declined in terms of its, its state of repair, in terms of its, but more around its just general look and feel. And as that decline takes place, your tenant profile does too and then the rent they pay and then eventually you're left in this place and I think that's that can happen to a lot of people it's happened to me and I'm sure it's happened to numbers of others and you're left in this place where you you kind of got an option which is either I'm going to spend money on it or sell it and in some occasions and and right now uh, you know people weren't buying this property so uh, so I've had a conversation with a guy I've looked at it and I think there's an opportunity It's it's a good property and I've I'm fortunate again. My contact, my network. I've been able to get a builder there with me to look around it. So we've we get a price on it immediately, so I know what it will cost. I speak with the landlord about that, and we'll 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 work out a plan of of how we do the works and, and take it on. and And I have to say, this this is the first one I'm going to do, and I'm actually quite excited about it. I've looked at a few before, but this one I'm quite excited about because I can see subject to getting the rooms filled, and that's the uh, that's a huge element of it, but subject to getting the rooms filled, it's it can be very good cash flow for both the landlord, the owner, and myself as the person that's taking it on. Taking a, a slight step back and just talking a little bit about rent to rent as a as a principle, the 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 general idea I think is that you you rent a property kind of at a single let sort of rate would, would be typical ish and then you do something that's higher revenue generating with it so the the two sort of standard examples are service accommodation where you're you're letting out on a nightly rate and you again as you mentioned sort of hope for the occupancy that then means that your income is enough to to cover your own work and the the lower rent or yeah. the other approach is it your renting at a single let rate and uh, letting out as an HMO, which again is works out at a, a higher total rate if you have that, that occupancy. Yep. And I assume you're looking at the, the rent to HMO of those two. Is, is that, that correct? It's a really good point, Simon. So typically the area that I operate in, they're already HMOs and that's 
because it's an article it's an area that's under article four so you can't get any new hmos so you ain't you ain't creating any new ones you know unless unless you've got a lot of time on your hands because because it's just not going to happen and you know and i i have reviewed these rules and the likelihood is if you're in a street where there's an hmo either side of you within a few houses you've got zero chance and i'm the road the streets i look at look in i would uh, anecdotally say conservatively 75 to 85 percent of them are already hmos so in in my humble opinion you've got zero chance so and the reason what you said is a really good point because that that's why the, the previous ones i've looked at haven't been so great and probably why i haven't followed through with them because the margins were really tight because the landlords are already getting hmo or have previously got hmo returns so their expectations are a bit high <laughs> yeah and, and rightly so as as mine would be too because i've because i actually looked at this with the shoe on the other foot as well when i had a property that i just needed to get I had so many other things to focus on. I did actually speak to someone about rent to renting my property, and this is how it works. I think it's it's just sometimes you just need something off your plate. And but for me, you know, the rate that was offered, given my experience, I was kind of like, well, I know I can if I just give myself some time, I can get the rooms filled and get you know thirty percent more. Worst case scenario, so. So that's why it hasn't worked previously because the people I people I've spoken with before are used to renting by the room. However, you know, as time moves on, that, that changes because you might have gotten, let's say, seventy pounds per room on a five bed house. So we know that's three fifty a week, which is then um, fourteen hundred pounds a month. However, if you're if you're not filling your rooms consistently, if if you've got two or three rooms void. Or in in current case where the property has been empty, it's actually not a direct comparable because because you're actually getting zero. Now I, I don't obviously go in talking about that. We actually go in thinking about fair rates. But I think I think it's a really good point to bring out because that's why it's a challenge in my area because people do think about buy the rooms. On this one, I think the landlord's been really reasonable, and we've we've just talked about working it together and what's reasonable. Um, looking at what he or she would have previously gotten as a as a single let property because that's what the last use was for, and then I've based my figures around that. So, so yeah, just to- so they did have a single let anchor rather than a, a multi let anchor, so that 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 probably helped. <laughs> I think it helps a lot, and I think it helps a lot in in you know from my perspective that. The you know the last tenants and this is this is how it goes, isn't it? You know the last tenants weren't great. You know they didn't pay their bills. They'd not looked after the property, and you know someone like I can come along. And, and this is where I think it has to work for both. And and you know and I know it sounds cliched, but I, I'm of the mindset I wouldn't want this to not work for the partner. And I and you know I say this to the landlord. I say look, this is this this is what I'm offering. Let's talk about it. If you've got any queries. You know, and they say, well, what about council tax? I'm a bit concerned that what happens if you don't pay council tax? And obviously the first thing I say is, well, look, number one, if um, I, I will take on the council tax, so as soon as we take on the property, I, I write to the council and we take it on. So first of all, it, it's my responsibility. Number two, you'll see it written throughout the, in the contract that we take on council tax. And I said, number three, and I said, I know it's worthless in the in the legal real world, but... I don't go into these things with any intention not to do what we say we're going to do. And 
I think the, the challenges that people have had in the past, when you've got people that that move in, they don't pay their tax, they don't pay the utilities. You know that 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 creates pain, and I think you know that that's the thing. You know, I think that is good about rent to rent is that what you're doing is you're solving a problem. You know, you're hopefully going to solve the landlord's problem, the homeowner's problem, by taking on that property for a set period of time. And you know, we offer three to five years, and uh, you know, typically now for me it would be five years because. And and again, I don't know if this is unusual, but you know, I'll say to the the homeowner up front, you know, f- for for us for this to work, it has to be longer because actually my business probably won't make any money in the first twelve months, and that's that's reality. You know, yeah. that's that's me being tra- transparent. I said at the end of the day, you know, I want you to be happy and to get your fixed rent, whatever that. Let's just I'm just picking a number out of the air, but if I say a thousand pounds a month f- for five years, you know, so you know you're going to get. 60 grand in, in five years. I then take on all of the the, the pain that, that you don't want to. But for that to happen, we have to make outlays. We talked in the last episode about furnishing rooms, about decoration, and my company would do all of that. So we take the, that risk up front. So when we have conversations like, why does it have to be this long? I said, well, because my company has to make money. Otherwise, it's not a company. And and I think so far, my experience is that that works with just having the open conversation. Yep. So presumably from that, um, you are going to be refurbing the property and furnishing the property and not that that's not going to be shared with the um, landlord or homeowner. Well, it, it, it varies case by case. So without contracts being signed, I'm not going to speak specifically about this, but typically what I would look to is depending on the, on the property, I would look to the landlord to help make investment. Now we, we can do that a number of ways. If, if the landlord doesn't want to make that payment up front, and typically they wouldn't because otherwise they would have done that already. I can, I can work with my building team and say, okay, I will front that, but then we will take a portion of that from your monthly rent. So for both parties to win again in that situation, I feel that we take the pain away. So we say, if, we, if, you, if you, you want us to undertake the build, we'll do that. And again, I, I'm just going to pluck numbers out of the air. Let's just say £15,000. We do the refurb and the refit for 15000 but the landlord doesn't have 15000 but we, we were going to offer £1,000 a month. I'd say, well, okay, we will take, we could take some of that from your rent or all of it, depending on how quickly you want to get that paid down. What that does is it reduces all risk from the landlord's perspective because actually they don't have to put one pound into the property. They know that they're going to get a set rental. But then equally from my point of view, how I talk to landlords about it is, is because I own properties, I, I can feel more confident and say, look, I don't think it's right that my company would pay for all of that and again, we'd negotiate with the landlord, but because essentially it's your asset, you know, it's your asset and I'm going to look after your asset, just like I look after all of my assets. And when you do this work, the, the, the value of your asset has increased. Not, you know, yes, it, it's going to help me rent it for you. But that's, so that's the sort of conversation I have around it. Yeah, exactly. I think that's very fair that if you're refurbing a property that will benefit that property longer term, it makes sense that some of that um, cost for those improvements is borne by the, the recipient of the long-term benefit, which of course is the, the actual owner. Yeah. Other things around furnishing, 
well, that, that perhaps would, would fit more on your side of the deal. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to speak for you and how you're going to separate these things, but in mm. my head, that, that sort of separation kind of kind of fits and I think is, is reasonable to to do. Of course, as you say, it varies deal deal to deal and owner to owner as to what yeah. they're prepared or able to do. But it's good to hear, Simon, because I think it's good to hear the objective view. And what you've just said is exactly how I feel about it. But of course, I'm not in this scenario. I'm not objective. I'm quite subjective. But it's good to hear you say that. And I would, and again, I would completely agree. So, in my head, part of me could say, "Oh, well, maybe we could get the the cost of furnishing and soft furnishings." But I think, well, from a business point of view, that's my responsibility. If I'm if I'm taking on this property. My guarantee is to you as a landlord to say, okay, I'll, I'll take it off your hands for five years. And then whether whether it's a third field or 100% field, you don't care. That's that's my responsibility. So in, in, in a way, I feel that that's incumbent on me to make happen versus the, uh, the capital asset, if you like, without getting technical, is something which will benefit you as a landlord in the long run. So I think basically we'd have a conversation like you and I have just had, where if they say, well, yeah, I feel that's fair, however... I'd like it to play out like this, then we have a conversation. And I think in, in the past, if I get, and I'm going to be honest, if I've got a landlord that says, well, no, I think you should pay for all of it. For me, that's a bit of a red light. And I say, well, okay, I don't think it's going to work out for me because if I'm spending 12 to 15K on your property, I then know that I won't make any money for the first, let's say, year and a half, which, which typically I wouldn't anyway. Then for me, the risk grows because even if I've got it for five years, we've got three years and, and just bear in mind, you know, this is my first actual rent-to-rent. So although I've neg- negotiated a, a few people, how this is borne out, I don't know. But, you know, I've spoken with a lot of people and I've got people that do rent-to-rent and have done for rent-to-rent for a few years. So it's not that I'm coming from a place of no knowledge. I do have some knowledge. But there's always a risk. And, you know, you and I have talked about this previously. There is always a risk, you know, in year two or three. The landlord might, someone might just come along and say, yeah, actually, I'll take that property off you. I'll buy it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, the contract could go. So, the, so there is risk attached, but I think it's like everything else. If we're cognizant of the risks then, and, and we're happy to take those, then, then, uh, then we go. Indeed. So we'll definitely need to revisit this in a few months once, uh, once your contract's all signed and sealed and the, uh, the property's full, hopefully. Yeah. Um, speaking of filling the property, is it um, a student target audience or a, a young professional? Or what, what are you hoping to, to achieve with it? For this property, I'm going to put it under the bracket of workers. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily have it for student. It's, um, it's. I would say it's a shade outside of the area I would look at for students. I mean, I'm quite, well, as you know, I've been in this area for five years plus now. So I'm quite particular and I'm, I'm pretty, you know, knowledgeable about where I would and wouldn't have a student property. This one's probably a shade outside of a student area. I don't think it's quite right for student anyway. I think it's it would benefit workers. When we finish the refurb, we're going to put in a new kitchen. I mean, it's not it's not the greatest of properties in terms of the light into the property and the the layout isn't great. I mean, there's one floor where there's three beds, three bedrooms on one floor, but the bathroom there's two bathrooms. One's on the on, on the top floor and one's on the ground floor. So you've got three beds on one floor. So for me, yeah. it's going to be a certain tenant type, and it's actually very similar to another property I've got with seven people in it. So I think, I think this will be kind of workers could, could mm-hmm. be professionals, but I, I would imagine sort of local workers in, you know, there's some um, big Amazon plant there. Now there's, a, there's a few plants. There's some, um, 
uh, a, sh- a shipping company whose name I can't remember now, but but they're building um, you know yachts and ships and things. So there's a lot. There's industry still going on down there. So I think I think that's the sort of tenant profile we'll be looking at for that. Cool. So do you have a uh, approximate timeline on when you're you're hoping to to have this signed and then refurb done and things, or or are you you're not quite ready to to commit to a time yet? No, I'm happy to be generic on this one. I th- but um, but yeah, I mean, for me, I wouldn't send a contract out without knowing exactly where, what I'm going to do, when I'm going to do it in terms of the, you know, the refurb and everything else, you know, for, for good or bad, sometimes I need all of the information with me before I pull the trigger, assuming the contract gets signed and, and, and you know, we're, I think we're virtually there by the shouting. So it should be out by the time this podcast airs. I'd, um, I've already got the builder to, to commit to some timings as well as the costs, obviously. And that would all be done by mid-September. And that's when we'd take on the, the on the property. So so we'd go from there. Cool. That's quite soon. Quite a quick turnaround to, to start seeing some results. It is. And, and, and I suppose that's probably the final thing I'd say on it. And that's probably why I've come a, done a bit of a U-turn, if I'm honest, on, on Rent to Rent. Because, you know, as you know, I've got, um, I've got a few projects on the go. So we've got the... We've got the, the the flat in Croydon, which is now on the market. So that's the, the one bed to the two bed. I'm in the process of purchasing a three bed masonette, which we're going to convert into a four bed. And we're going to we're, I'm going to try and do a keys undertaking on that one, but that's probably um, probably one for another podcast. And I'm about to start the the five bed full house refurb, five bed four ensuite, you know, which we spoke about in the last episode. And the thing about all of those projects is they took a large amount of capital up front, you know, significant amounts of capital up front. This this rent to rent deal is is much lower. I want to say capital exposure, but re- requires a lot less cash in at the outset. Therefore, should should it go well, the the ROI looks much better. And I think if we can, you know, yeah, <laughs> obviously, the quicker we get the rooms, as soon as we get to hundred percent percent occupancy or as close to then then we're looking good and for me that that is all the difference because my business as, as you know better than as better than most is that you know for my bet it's it's about cash flow and and for me at the moment more positive cash flow into the business the quicker the better yeah you mentioned one of your flats you've got on the market at the moment but you've actually got two on the market at the moment and last time we spoke about those you you said you'd already had some inquiries, um, at least at least one of them. I just wondered if we have a very quick to, to finish up um, update on on those. Have you had more more inquiries, more viewings, or was it gone quiet? Well, I think this update can be as quick as yours because um, we've had some we, we've had interest and we've had viewings, but nothing concrete as of yet. So yeah, the other flat you mentioned is our personal flat, the uh, the studio flat that's on the market and. Yeah, we haven't had updates on that. And the uh, conversion that we did in Croydon that only went officially on the market, I think, on Thursday, on Friday, last, so only a few days ago at the time of this recording. So early days. Cool. So we'll, uh, we'll come back to those next time. Um, but I think for today, that's, that's us, isn't it? Do you, do you want to take us out today then, Stuart? I will. I, I, I put the request at the start. So just to reiterate, if you have enjoyed the show or any of the episodes you listen to, please do leave us a rating. It really does help. And as always, everything we talk about, any pertinent points will be on thebusinessofproperty.com. And we'll see you the next time.